0: Father, thank you for this time today. We love you, Lord. We pray that Mary and I will share things that will help everybody here today. Each person has a need of some kind, maybe more than one. And we ask that what we do today will bring honor to you and bring peace and joy and healing to the people here. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can I
1: say something? Yeah. as we were praying about today, one of the things that really fell into my heart was I wanted to make sure to thank you all publicly for the amazing role this church has had in our life and our ministry. We met Pastor Dale ten years ago, and this is what happened. We were moving to India as missionaries, and we didn't have a clue how you get money to go. We just knew you trust Jesus and He'll give it. And then Owen got this idea. He's like, We'll get we'll get up in the morning. Morning to drive to a town by faith. <laughs> then we'll go to a gas station, get a phone book, and look for churches that are pretty much, you know, believe the whole Bible, um, you know, and then we'll just walk in and tell more missionaries and then we'll let God do whatever He wants. And I was like, okay, that's either a brilliant plan or we're crazy. <laughs> and it
0: turns out it's both. <laughs>
1: And you know following the Lord is kind of like that and um so some days we would drive around Oklahoma for 8 hours and we would never meet a single pastor. And we would drive to a town and maybe nobody would be in their office that day. We learned don't go on Monday cuz half the pastors are off on Monday and don't go on Friday cuz the other half are on Friday. And on Wednesday they're like, "Uh, I'm preaching tonight." <laughs> so we figured out Tuesdays and Thursdays were the best days, but we found out by going out and doing that. And um we came to this church um, one day in 2006, early 2006, and Ellen was out front, and Pastor Dale was at lunch, and she said, we'll come back. He's not here. And we thought, well, good, because we've spent lots of hours and haven't met anybody. At least we've been invited to come back once. So we came back, and she said she was watering the flowers. She said, he's not here yet, but don't give up. So we came back a third time and we walked in and Owen said to Pastor Dale, we're Owen and Mary Adams and we're missionaries to India. And we came to see if you might want to have us speak in your church or help support our ministry. And Pastor Dale goes, that's direct. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought it was funny because usually I'm like the lunge forward one, you know, and I was kind of like, and he just had us in and he talked to us for a long time and we were just green. We just wanted, we loved the Lord. We just wanted to take the gospel to the world. That's all we knew. And he talked to us for a really long time and he was very encouraging. He said he saw God's call on our lives. And then as he walked us to the door, he said, well, if y'all would like to come to our missions conference, you know, maybe we could, you could share. He could share and give a little testimony. And it was the very first person who invited us to speak in their church. Your missions conference in 2006. It was the very first one. And when you're out there and you're just trusting that God will show up, you know, <laughs> it, it just meant so much. And little did we know 10 years ago, how much we would need you all, how much you would become friends, and we could cry on your shoulders, and we could laugh on your floor, and we could tell you our stories, and we could go and just talk with you, and we could tell Pastor Dale a huge, long problem, and at the end, he'd say, well, just wait on the Lord. (laughs)
0: Which, which, by the way, is the greatest advice you can get. Cause sometimes you get a little rattled, you know, you think, ah, and he just says, well, wait on the Lord. And you guys know Pastor Dale, he's very, very calm and just, he just level. And it really helps us sometimes when we're actually not that level.
1: And then you guys went through your transition and we went through it with you and now CJ and Lisa have a new role in our life and we still have Dale and Teresa and we have all the board and we've had times we've met with the elders board and you guys have said things that have changed our lives and people from the St. Church have invited us to their house and Connie's opened up her home for us for the missions conference and she can cook. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is you all taught us how much we would need you as missionaries. We didn't have any idea and you all built a relationship with us. It it wasn't just come speak in your church and then drive back and then get on a plane and leave, but you loved us and you became part of our work on the field. And I think about the apostle Paul and how he needed other people's prayers and he also needed their relationships. And you know, Um, there's one point where he says Demas because he loves this world has left and we've had some people that they loved this world and they kind of left our life And, and I think about this church that you've stood with us and sometimes you held us up and because of that, we were able to stand. And I want to thank you for your prayers, for your love, for the, all the endless listening, for your dinners, for your fellowship, for all the support you've given, for your financial support over the years. I just want you to know that it is treasured. You enable us to do what we do. And the longevity of this relationship is precious to us. And that was really in my heart to share that. I want you to know that what we do, you're all a part of. You're all a part of it. We couldn't do it alone. In fact, I've cried off all my makeup already because in prayer, they (laughs) gathered around us and I was just weeping because of the Holy Spirit, you know, in the presence of the Lord. Um, so as Pastor CJ explained, Owen and I are in transition again, which is like for a woman, it's like exciting, emotional, sad, uh, Every if you make a list of all the feelings, I got them all. <laughs> but Christ is my rock. You want to share our verses?
0: Yeah, this is how this all got started a long time ago. I got saved in 1971, and a couple of years later, I was just reading through the Bible, and and um, as sometimes happen when happens when God's speaking to you, these words just kind of popped out of the page at me. It's Matthew 4:23. It said, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And that's the first time that I recall God ever really speaking to me through his word. And somehow it it got a hold of me. I didn't know what it meant, actually. But it, it grabbed me somehow, and I sort of knew this is real for me. I didn't know where that was going or anything else, but I knew it was real for me. And really what had happened was God had called me into the ministry with that verse. Um, it took some time to get there, but I was ministering all along anyway, but it took a long time to get into full time ministry. Then in Isaiah six eight. Um, Mary got saved sometime. Nineteen ninety eight. I'm pretty sure she's saved. You want to read that?
1: <laughs> you can.
0: Okay. So she was sitting in church shortly after she got saved. And um, someone either said these words or read them. I don't uh, The pastor. And it's Isaiah 6, 8. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me.
1: So I was sitting right about there and I was in the second row and there was an elder from the church in the first row and I was a, <clears throat> I was a brand new Christian so it was the first time I'd heard the verse and I didn't know what this meant but it hit my heart so hard and I thought all of you felt this, right? So it hit me so hard so I said to the Lord, here am I, send me. And I still remember that elder turning around and looking at me and i thought what i don't i didn't know what that mean i don't know what that means and i think she knew what it meant you know and it was god showing me early on that he had put it in me to go for him it took me years to find out i was a missionary i'd go on missions trips and come back and weep and i couldn't even do my job you know i'd be like oh the people over there <laughs> I didn't even know still that God had called me to that full time. I think he sort of hid it for me. um, Just as... He was growing me in the Lord, Uh, but the word, and I like, I like what you're talking about for this summer. That word got into me really early as a Christian, and I knew that verse means something. I had to find out what does that verse mean, Lord, and how do you intend to use that verse in my life? And I always feel that when we read the word, you know, God always has something fresh, for your life, for my life, for, for us as individuals, for the things we're facing, and for what He wants us to do on the earth. There's always something fresh in there, some word that has almost like a vision tied to it. Oh, that's the whole purpose still for my life. That's the reason I'm here on the earth.
0: Um, just as, as an aside, sort of, um, if you're wanting to read the Bible more, there's a simple way to figure out how to do it and to get through it. First of all, my recommendation is starting with the New Testament because it's the time of Jesus and beyond. If you'll just take your your Bible and find out how many pages there are from Matthew 1 through Revelation 22 and divide it by the number of days you want to read it in. 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, or whatever. Read that many pages a day and you can get through it. If you miss a day, it's not like the end of the world. You just pick it up the next day or make it up if you want to. But by doing that, you can read regularly through the New Testament. And then do the same thing with the Old Testament. Um, it just works out that for me, particularly, if I don't have some kind of a schedule, I flounder quite a bit with reading. And I'm just set up that way. That's how I am. And so I do that, and I'll just, I'll just read the Bible, and read the Bible, and read the Bible, and read the Bible, and read the Bible. And by, by doing that, God has spoken to me a lot about my own life. Um, I was um, one of those unfortunate people that got saved, and then 25 years later got filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> rather than, say, five days later or 25 minutes or whatever. It took me a while to get there. But when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it absolutely revolutionized my life. I spent hours upon hours upon hours every day praying in tongues and, and, and walking out God's plan for my life. So I was in a prayer meeting. I was, I'm from Colorado, and I was in a prayer meeting. This is an interesting thing. If you want to have an adventure... Go to a spirit-filled prayer meeting when you're not spirit-filled. <clears throat> it gets really interesting really fast. So when I first went to this church, I wasn't spirit-filled yet, but I, I was, you know, God was starting to get a hold of me with that. And so I went on a Sunday morning and Monday night to had a prayer meeting, and I just felt like I'm supposed to go. So I prayed my I don't know, 35 sentences in English, and then basically listened. <laughs> But God was working on me, and no one asked me to pray in tongues or anything. It just, you know, they they left me alone. They knew where I was at the moment. I went the next week the same thing, but the following week I'd gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. So a few weeks later, we're all praying in this little room, and the pastor walked over to me, and he got down on on his knees, and he put his hands on my feet. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said, someday you're going to look down at these feet and say, how did you get here? I did that a few times in India. <laughs> it's like, not only how did you get here, but why? <laughs> so I want to read you something out of Romans 10. This is also verse, uh, verses that God's given the two of us together. Um, we, we, we just really try our, our best to follow the Lord and just to seek Him and find out what He wants us to do and then do it. And some, some days that's real fun and some days it's real difficult. But we just do it. So Romans 10, uh, verses 14 and 15. It says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And when God gave Mary and I that verse, I thought of my pastor with his hands on my feet, saying, someday you're going to look down at these feet and say, how did you get here? <laughs> the first night we met in 2004, Mary said, I want to go to Israel, Africa, and India. And I said, I don't want to go to any of those places. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I thought, oh, he might be
0: the one. The the reason was because i just graduated from ORU. I got two master's degrees in counseling. I I got one in Christian counseling, and I got one in marriage and family therapy. I'm thinking, I'm not going anywhere else. I'm staying here. I'm going to minister to people during the week with counseling. I'm going to minister to people in churches on the weekend, and I don't see myself anywhere else. And she prayed in her heart, Lord. If we're supposed to be together, please change one of our hearts. She didn't tell me that until after he'd changed my heart. So,
1: <laughs> it wasn't a trick.
0: <laughs> within a few weeks, we, we weren't married yet, so, and she had a house, so we put a world map up on the wall, one of the walls in her house, and we would just go there and pray, and we'd lay our hands on a country and just pray, because I knew by then you know, God wanted us go, to go somewhere. I didn't know if it was one of those places, but I knew somewhere. We just started. I, I said, okay we don't know where to go, but we know to go somewhere. How are we going to find out? We'll just pray. And we'll just start with Mexico. Why? Because that's about the closest you can get to being a missionary and still being close to here. So you just start there. So we just pray. And we prayed in tongues a lot. You know, it's like, God, do you want us to go to, to Mexico? Hmm. So just pray in tongues over it for a while and see what happens, you know. And pretty soon we found out, you know, no, that's not the answer. We'd actually both been to Mexico before on mission trips. So we just worked our way clear down through South, uh, Central and South America. It's like nothing. Okay, we skipped over the ocean to Africa and prayed our way through Africa. Absolutely nothing. It's just like, wow, this is really working, isn't it? You know? <laughs>
1: I want to say something about that because I think following the Lord is so much like that. You know, in your spirit, you get that little leading and then like nothing's happening, even though you step out and you're following. And I think the head says, you're crazy. What are you doing? This isn't working or the devil, you know, and, and you know, though, that you had that leading. I was supposed to take this step of faith. I'm supposed to do this. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to believe that I heard from the Lord and I'm just going to continue and pursue And then, you know, God's kind of funny because I think he kind of hangs around like, yep. And then BAM! Right? Because <laughs> it's like, it gets real quiet, you know, when you follow that leading, when you follow Him by faith. And we were doing this very quietly by faith. Nobody knew we were doing this. And, um, as Owen said, it was kind of dry. We would pray around the world on this world map and pray and pray and pray and pray in tongues and pray. And we didn't hear anything, but we decided we wouldn't give up until God would speak to us and show us what do you want us to do and where do you want us to go? And we're not going to give up. We're going to pray over this world map because we know there's a calling. And we want to find out how you want to use that calling. And I have found that persistence part with the Lord fascinating. You know, that sometimes there's just this like persisting, persisting, persisting. Lord, I want to know this answer. We're going to go, but we can't go anywhere until you tell us. And just continuing to persist over that map.
0: So we... We're praying over that map, and um, I'll do this part pretty quickly. We got to Indonesia, started up through Asia, and got to Indonesia. Man, things started to really pop in our spirit. And we thought, wow, God's going to send us to Indonesia. And we started to pray for the country. And I went to the library and got children's books. I wanted to see what these people look like, what's their food look like, what's their country look like, and so forth. I got like half a dozen books and brought them home, and I thought, this is going to be really cool. And just... Sat them on the floor, and I couldn't pick them up again for some reason. Couldn't figure it out. But we couldn't stop praying for Indonesia. We prayed for that country for three and a half weeks, just daily, just every day, just praying and praying and praying. Had no idea what we're praying about, thought God would send us there. So finally we realized, nope, that's not it. just like one day it was just done. So we said, okay. So we kept praying. And I'll do part and then come back to part one. So we kept praying, and we got to China, and we thought, Tibet now is a part of China. Of course, it has been for a number of years. But we got to China and Tibet, and we thought, man, this might be it, but it wasn't. And I told God, I said, we're about to run out of countries here because we'd come play around the world almost, you know. And then I thought, you know, it doesn't matter. We're just going to, if we run out, we'll just start again because we know God's called us to do something for Him in another country. We didn't even know what it was yet. So... At the same time, one day, we just laid our hands on India. We just went, and God goes, right inside of us. And I looked at her, and I said, I think we're going to India. And she says, I think you're right. So...
1: I am so glad that we persisted in prayer until we knew that we knew, because we were there the better part of eight years. Of course, coming back and forth to America is needed, but in the hard times, in the dark times over there, we knew that we knew that God had sent us, and I'm so glad that we kept pushing in and praying and praying until that day, and when that happened, we both felt the Lord's love for the people of India, and that's what compelled us to go, and to go and You know, bring them the Lord and the Word. And I'm so grateful that we just held on, you know, those silent times. And you're just like, I'm not going to give up, Lord. I'm just going to keep pursuing your answer. And then when we knew that we knew, when it got hard, we could say, but God sent us. We can't quit. God sent us, and he didn't say quit. So we're not going to (laughs) quit.
0: So back to part one, Indonesia. It was 2004. And at Christmas time, we went up to visit her mom in Illinois. And she went out to pick up the newspaper one day, and on the front page it says, Tsunami Hits Indonesia. God had had us praying for that country for weeks before it ever happened, and we didn't know it. But when we saw that headline, we knew God had us praying for that. And I'll tell you kind of an end result of that thing. I went to Bible school with a lady from uh, Texas. And and uh, her daughter and son-in-law live in Broken Arrow, where where we are. <clears throat> and we've become friends with them. And so one day, we were telling them this story. We were out at their house one night, and she started to cry, mm. the daughter. And, and we, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings or whatever. And she said, no, no. She said, my brother was a missionary. He was in Malaysia most of the time, but during that tsunami, he was in Indonesia. And... What had happened was, apparently, a lot of Christians, for some reason, on the coast down there where it hit, felt this need to go up to some church up on the mountain.
1: They felt that the Lord just put in their heart to gather up and go to visit this little church. And they thought, the little church must need us. We're going to go encourage them. (laughs) So they got on buses and trains, and people would talk about it, and they all felt it. And they got on buses and trains and went to the top of the mountain. And, of course, what God was doing was saving their lives. The little church didn't need them. The top of the mountain was the safe place, but they didn't know that. Well, this girl said her brother was helping people get on the buses and the trains.
0: And he was on the last bus that left. So I want to encourage all of you. When you feel like praying for something or somebody, even if you don't know what or who it is, just do it. It'll rise up in you sometimes. Just start praying. I've prayed for people that I don't even know. A lot of the time, because God would put it in me to pray. I'll tell you something that happened this morning. Some people walked in, and a a child walked in, and God had me praying for that kid. It's like, I don't understand that. Mm -hmm. But I was doing it because God said to. Why? Because he's going to do something in that child's life. That's why. So it's really exciting following the Lord. You know, it's just like, it's crazy sometimes you think, this is one of the stupidest things I've ever done. And one of the most glorious and adventurous things I've ever done. It's like, this is amazing. I'm I'm going to tell you a quick story. Um, When I was 13 years old, I became a rodeo cowboy. I went to my first rodeo, entered the bareback riding, and I won. And I was going to be a world champion bareback rider. And I had that dream kind of in my heart for years. So I actually went to college in Casper, Wyoming on a rodeo scholarship to start with. But guess what? The Vietnam War was going on, and I thought I needed to be in it. So I joined the Army. I was 18 years old. It's a terrible time to make big decisions like that. You don't have enough sense yet.
1: (laughs) I was married to him for a long time before I got it. You volunteered for Vietnam? (laughs) It took me a little while to get a hold of that.
0: I joined the army and then I joined I I volunteered for Vietnam so I spent a year there I was in the Corps of Engineers I was never in a firefight or anything like that but I've been shot at and I can tell you that is not any fun you know a bullet sounds a lot different going that way than it does coming this way they just have a different sound to it and so it's like Yeah, I don't think so. I'm telling that story because I'm not afraid of adventure and I'm not afraid of danger. And I've I've been that way my whole life. I grew up on a farm. My dad was a cowboy. Uh, We just grew up on horses. When I was six years old, I said, I want to start riding, Dad. And he said, okay. He put me on the horse and more or less I stayed there. It's like, this is no joke. I couldn't even get on yet by myself. And Dad would put me on the horse and he would say, be home for lunch. (laughs) dad are you crazy my brother and I were talking about this one time and he said would you do with your kids what dad did with us and I said not in a million years man we could have killed ourselves quite easily
1: I should have paid more attention to the stories when I married him because Owen is so like methodical and logical and gentle spirited but he wants to get on a horse and go where nobody else went He wants to go over here. We heard this story recently about a guy who had worked with another missionary, and he went to help with the missionary. And he said, you know, the missionary was an apostle, and he didn't know it. So the helper would say, let's go over here. There's a great work of God. And the missionary would say, let's go over there. There's nothing going on. Somebody needs to start something. (laughs) I should have paid more attention. I didn't understand, really. Owen frequently wants to go where there's nothing. And... And you know, the Apostle Paul talked about wanting to work where nobody had worked. And Owen frequently is like, well, they, they don't need help. They're already doing their own thing. Let's go over here. Nobody's gone to those people yet. And um, I think this is going to be our third time of that now. You know, we have ideas of what God will do, and even during prayer, two people prophesied about it. I can't expect it to be the same as it was any other time. We did eight years in India, and then God brought us back to America. We were here a couple years. We tried so hard to settle down and we'd serve the Lord. Here's the thing. God put in our heart, we ministered to drug addicts in rehab. We taught them the Bible. We led them to Christ. It was awesome. Sometimes we were ministering five and six days a week. Sometimes we were with a person an hour. Sometimes we were with them six hours. Sometimes we were with their families. Because it didn't just stay in the rehab. It went to their houses. It went to the Burger King. It went everywhere, right? But then they would graduate and they would move away. And they wouldn't stay connected to us. And we're like, what's that all about, Lord? What's going on? We kept trying to settle down. Settle down. Settle down. We had one huge problem. We found America boring. So, <laughs> it was I'm going interu- to interrupt you. Boring. I mean, Owen said to me one day, I don't have to learn a language. I don't have to barter for my fruits and vegetables. I don't have to conquer anything. There's nothing to overcome. And I went to the Walmart and I thought, you know, all you have to do is you put it in your cart, you roll it up front, they ring it, and you pay, and you go. There's no fighting or arguing or. walking through the dirt there's no hauling it on a backpack you know back to your place or having to go to six or eight different places you just walk in this one huge store and stay until you're bored and your brain can't take it anymore and then you leave well these were clues you know that god was moving us on and i thought about this we stayed in india so long that when we came back to america we didn't quite fit anymore which i think is how you do it right you know, if you're going to serve in a foreign nation, we got to love that nation. Those people learn their ways, understand, understand their culture, try to integrate as best as we could. We came back here. We couldn't, like, find our place. We finally started to figure it out, and God's like, okay, go again. I'm like, great. <laughs> and I am like, great. But, you know, transition with God, and we talked about this recently in another church. Transition with God is really interesting because it's like... A giant leap. Have you ever seen a little kid jump in the pool and dad's going to catch him? I think transition with the Lord is about like that. Catch me, dad. (laughs) And part of what I want to share with you is to be encouraged. To be encouraged in your long, quiet times that God is going to talk to you. And don't give up whatever you're pushing for, don't give up. And also that the leap of faith is worth it. Whatever he puts in your heart to do. And you feel like I'm going to jump, you know, like there you are, like, and you're a little girl. I remember this. And my dad's like, jump. And I'm like, will you catch me, dad? Will you really catch me? Yeah, jump. Will you catch me? Will you catch me, dad? Yes, jump. (laughs) And I can remember the feeling of jumping. And I feel like that's what we're doing right now. Again, we're jumping. And I'm just waiting for the arms of God to catch us. And I know He will, you know, but I still have a course like, okay, God, here we go. Jump. It's worth it to jump. Whatever the Lord is showing you, it's worth it to jump
0: sometimes we're about half ashamed to tell people how God works with us because it's different, and we just know that. I think it was actually on our way over to the missions conference this year, and we're, we're driving along, and we're, we're working with drug addicts who are in rehab and alcoholics, and we're teaching them the Word of God, and we're leading them to the Lord, and it's an incredible and a very, very needed ministry. And we're driving over here, and <laughs> Mary says my roots just won't go any deeper in Oklahoma. (laughs) And I thought, we are really crazy, man. But let me me give you an example, if you don't mind, of of one of the things that that happens. She was talking about, you know, you don't have to fight for your fruits and vegetables. We were obviously, in in India, we are foreigners. That's pretty obvious. The first time we were there, we were walking down the street one day, and I looked at her, and I said, you know what, sweetheart? We look like two light bulbs here. I'm, I'm bald and you're blonde. We don't even fit at all. But we decided we're not going to let that bother us. We are just going to learn who these people are, how they live, how they think, what they do, and learn their language. So we were learning Hindi, which is the major language of India. There are 18, actually, there are 18 major languages. It's the national language, which not everybody speaks, by the way, so it gets interesting. Plus there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dialects, so you kind of got to know where you are, what to speak, and it really takes translators. She led a lady to the Lord one night, and we had to go through four people with four different languages just to get her to say she loved Jesus or wanted to, wanted to be, a, be saved, you know, because we had English, and this woman had some other language, and somebody else had this, and somebody else had this. We had to go around the circle to lead her to the Lord. But it's just what you do. So one day, uh, um, <clears throat> a kilo is Could 2. you put two another pounds.
1: hour on that clock?
0: Yeah, that clock's <laughs> just wrong. <laughs> We, we do that, and then people back there are confused. It's like, really? Can I do that? My understanding was you guys like to leave by 3 o'clock, and we'll try to be done. <laughs> no, praise God. Anyway, so we're learning the language, and uh, a kilo is 2.2 pounds, okay? And they sell mangoes and other stuff by the kilo. And at the end of the day, they'll, they'll reduce the price a lot of the time. So I'll give you two, two Hindi words. One is pundra, and it means 15 Okay. tees means 30. So we get off the Metro train and we're coming down the stairs and this quite a long set of stairs. And there's a bunch of hawkers down there with mangoes and various things. <laughs> and this guy
1: And they're hawking the mangoes. Yeah.
0: Okay, per kilo. 15, 15 rupees is 30 cents, basically, and, and 30 rupees is 60 cents. That's what it was at the time. So we get off, we're going down the stairs, and we hear this guy going pundra, 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 pundra. He sees her and says, teese. <laughs> And she goes, no, pundra, pundra, pundra.
1: <laughs> he tried to change the price from 15 to 30 in Hindi. <laughs> We're like, no, we know what you were hawking. Pandra, pandra, pandra. <laughs> and all the
0: guys beside him started laughing. They knew that we got it, you know? And that's the kind of stuff. I mean, some days you just get wore out with it. You think, man, I just want to go buy a mango. I want to go buy an apple. I want to go buy something without having to fight for it. But then on the other hand, we get here, and like she said, you go into Walmart, and there's like 100 billion things in there. I, I, don't, I don't know if you ever noticed this. Go down the cereal aisle someday in Walmart. We got back from India one time, and she says, I don't remember what cereal I'm supposed to like.
1: (laughs) I said, I was in Walmart, I said to Owen, how do the Americans know what to choose? (laughs)
0: Because when we got to India, you could get cornflakes and you could get mango-flavored cornflakes. That was it, man. By the time we left, there were about like half a dozen varieties, three or four of which were cornflakes still. But it was just like, that's how, how the deal goes.
1: Okay, I have a verse. All right. All right I want to share this verse. In Matthew chapter 4, verse number 19, it says, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you. Fishers of men. And I think it's amazing. I was reading that verse the other day, and I thought, wow, we're just still learning how to be fishers of men. That's a call on our lives. And I think that's a call on all of our lives as believers in Christ. That other people need the Lord. And our job is to learn from Christ how to bring them Christ. Because you, you, it's not always the same. It's not like there's one formula, you know, and you teach it in every church, and then we all run out and everybody gets saved. It's such dependence upon the Lord, upon the Holy Spirit. Lord, how do I bring this person to Christ? I mean, God recently challenged me about some of my family members. Was I still believing for those really hard ones to come to the Lord? You know, was I still believing for them to come to Christ? And um, I feel like Owen and I have spent this, this time in ministry, learning how to be fishers of men. You know, we got to India, and we learned our call. Owen's a teacher. I'm a teacher and evangelist, and we both love to witness. And we pray and lay hands on the sick, and that's our job. And, you know, 10,000 other ideas came from other people. And, you know, there are lots of good things that are done, but it wasn't our call. It wasn't our gifting. Somebody asked us lately, can we ship you a bunch of food and you'll give it away overseas? I'm like, no, I don't know how to do that. It's not my call. It's not my gift. I don't You'll have to find someone else who knows how to do that. That's not my call. And I, I, I'm so grateful to have learned what our call is and to hold on to that call. You know, Jesus told us all to go into all the world and preach the good news. And I know now because I've been back in America a couple of years that our country needs the Lord, that there are so many lost here that need what we all have and that Jesus wants us all to be fishers of men and that he's the one who trains us. How do we reach the lost Lord? You know, like it says right in here in our home, our city, our nations and the world. So we're going to another nation again. That's where the Lord is leading us. It's the same exact work. We don't know how we'll do it when we get there. We have to depend on him and follow him and, and just say, okay Lord, here we are. We landed. What do you want us to Do that's our big strategy. (laughs) Land, get a place to stay, which we already have picked out, and then say, "What do you want us to do, Lord?" And we know to visit the churches and visit the Bible schools and meet the people and build relationships. And in our heart is, "Who needs Christ? Well, they all do. Who wants Christ? And who wants?" what the lord put in us who wants teaching and watch out for every other distraction because every other distraction comes in ministry oh our country is poor are you going to give away money are you going to employ people And, and these are good things but we don't know a thing about doing them so we we've learned hold on to our call is eternal that's our call It's eternal things. And people get mad when they have a natural need and you say, I don't know how to meet your natural need. I don't know a thing about it. You have a spiritual need. I could really help you. You got a Bible. (laughs) I'll show you how you work on that answer with Jesus. But to keep a hold of our call is about the eternal things. You know, storing up our treasures in heaven. Our call is about bringing people to Christ. And also our call seems to be people who are frequently very young in the Lord, haven't had a lot of teaching, which is so common. Overseas, and they're like, "Teach me more about how to use this book." You know, overseas there are so, especially in Asia, there are so many people who just think it's a book. Of course, you know we've been to places where m- many of the people can't read, but they don't know how do you use it. How do you make something written on that page happen in your life? How do you make that happen? I was teaching recently at rehab. I said, once you do it the first time, you find something that God promised for you. And you say, I want that God. You promised it. Show me how to make those words happen. And you hold on and hold on and they happen. It changes everything forever. You know, how do you make those words become something that occurred in your life. Um, We were teaching in rehab recently, and one of the guys said, you know, during the test, the teacher's quiet. And I thought, I don't know what it means, Lord. And then I thought, I know what it means. Sometimes when we're testing it in our faith, God gets real quiet. And I thought, wow, that was very touching. That really helped me, because his Bible is never quiet. No. um... I threw these in the briefcase recently. Pastor CJ was like, which verses do you guys think you'll use? And I thought, can they have the whole Bible ready just in case? Because we never know which way the Lord's going to go. And recently, Owen and I started making little verse cards for ourselves again to stand on the word ourselves, to stand on that God's going to direct us, instruct us, and teach us in the way we should go, and counsel us, and watch over us. And I've started reading this over and over again to, to... to see the Word working in my life. You know, you take that and you see it come true, and you're like, wow, God did it again. And Owen has this joke, he's like, every single time you have a faith battle, it's like it's brand new again. It's almost like you totally forgot what God did last time. (laughs) Well, this one's different.
0: (laughs) The, The other part of it is, every time you have a faith battle, it seems like it's impossible, and because you're being attacked by the devil and other things probably it's like I don't want to do that it's like impossible I can't do that I am not interested I just want it to get over with I want this thing that I need or want or whatever to be there now and done and it's just not like that if you want to build a house and you're going to do it by hand guess what you're going to be sawing some boards and nailing them together and putting siding on and all that kind of stuff. And it's not going to happen in your dreams. It's going to happen with your hands and your feet and so forth. Okay? Faith is like that as well. And we've discovered that. Well, There are verses that we have quoted thousands upon thousands of times just to get through things. But at the end of that time, we realize God was working in our heart the whole time. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them, Psalm 34, 7. There were times when we just did that boy, just as fast as we could because we needed protection from something that God or the devil or the people or the country, whatever, the weather even, was just working against us and we just needed protection and we would just say the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and He delivers them. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. And just do it over and over and over. Two things happen, well, more than two, but two for sure. One is your faith starts to grow that God's actually going to do that. And number two, it starts to work, and you get some peace about it. You know, you just get peace. And you know, this verse is true for me Now,
1: one of the things I love about following Christ is that I get to learn for the rest of my life. We all get to learn for the rest of our lives. So during this time here in America, you know, we'd go to rehab and we're teaching drug addicts and we're teaching people, you know, that may have been on drugs for 40 years or two years and um, may have gotten, many of them got saved before they got into drugs and they got addicted and they can't find their way out and they're filled with shame and they don't know, will the Lord take them back? And they, you know, they're just... So they come to us with these problems, right? And we're like, okay, Lord, what should we, what all should we teach them? We'd spend endless hours in prayer. We're still teaching them till we leave, you know? Spend endless hours in prayer. What should we teach them, Lord? And they come to us, you know, well, I've lost my wife. You know, she left me. I've lost my kids. I've lost all my money. I've lost my house. I've lost my health. You know, some of them are... Um, what is it? Hepatitis C positive. I'm sure some of them are HIV positive. In fact, we know a few. And, you know, so they, they're like, okay, they need everything, right? And they come and they're skinny and pale and white and sickly and hopeless and facing depression and think that this isn't going to work anyway. And you're like, okay, which topic should we start with, Lord? And I learned this amazing thing about God. While ministering to them, hope... That God could help them with all these problems, I started to gain a lot more hope and faith in my own life for my own problems. I wasn't even thinking about my stuff. I was thinking about their stuff. And by, you know, they'll come and they want to know is this problem too big for God? Can God really do this one? Nope. You, didn't, you don't have one yet that's too big. And we start showing them in the word, the promises. God can heal that. God can restore that. God can bring that relationship back. And it was amazing because, you know, it's like everything at once. You're like, let's do just like one week, kind of chip away at some things, right, <laughs> with the word. But I started to realize no matter what their problem was, if they were coming back to the Lord, I knew that I had faith that the Lord would help them. As they came back to the Lord, I knew that. And I thought, so then what are my problems? And it started to really give me faith. And it's funny, because by pouring out to others, God got much bigger to me. And, and, and just, it made it like, oh, well, my problems are nothing compared to what I'm telling them that you'll solve for them, Lord. And God just got much, much bigger than for me. He can restore my family. I mean, I'm telling him he can restore theirs. You know, he can restore things in my life. I'm I'm telling them how much he can do for them, and I'm reminded how much he can do for myself by not concentrating on me. It's been a phenomenal experience, and it's been incredible to learn again about our nation and to see the things that are happening in our country and how just how many people desperately need the Lord and the gift that we've all been given of salvation and then the gift of what to do with the Word and how to follow Christ.
0: Um, We go to the rehab center on Monday nights. We have a Bible study there. And it's voluntary, so anybody who wants to come can, and it's kind of a rotating group of people. They're generally at this place about six months, and then they're gone and sort of don't show up again. But we also go on Wednesday and Saturday nights, and we've been doing that for a couple of years. And one of the reasons we do that is just partly we did it to learn. How do you think? What's going on in your life? Why? How do we minister to you? How can Jesus help you? And that kind of stuff. But one of the things that I find really interesting, in this room, it's an AA meeting basically is what it is, last an hour, and we can visit for a half hour before and about 20 minutes afterwards. And as I look around there some days, I think, there's probably about a hundred people in that room at any one time on, on Wednesday and Saturday night. And I just look at those guys and I think, you know, There's probably about 400 years of prison time represented here, Mm -hmm. if you add them all up. We know guys that have been in prison 19 years, 24 years, 3 years, 18 years, years. like that. It's like, whoa, man. And some of them, if they leave there, they're looking at 40 to 45 years in prison for stuff they've done while either doing drugs, selling drugs, or being on drugs, whatever. You know what I mean? So we, I'm just going to tell this story. At our Bible study one night, the reason I'm telling that is because People say, are you scared there? And the answer is no, not a bit. It's like God called us to do this. I'm not afraid of anything there just because God's called me to do it. I'm not fearless. I'm not saying that. I, am, I have fears about some stuff. But this ministry God's given us has just been great. So we had a, our Bible study one Wednesday night, I don't know, probably a year ago or so. And this one guy comes up afterwards and he says, you know, for me to get saved, I'm just going to have, have to have a whole lot more intellectual knowledge. He says, I don't get it. You know, Jesus died for me and all that stuff. I don't.
1: He said, I understand all the information, just intellectually, I can't get a hold of it. So you'll have to explain salvation from different angles. It's just, you know, he died on the cross and my sins are forgiven. I don't, I don't understand. You're going to have to really work with me a long time.
0: So one of the things that happens at an AA meeting, people get to share their story and there's something that's healing about that. NA meetings, Narcotics Anonymous, we've been to hundreds of those things, just being with people, learning, listening, being there, and trying to find out from God how to help people, okay? So they tell their story. So,
1: and after they tell their story in those meetings, nobody gets to give advice, so they get to just vent it. So this so, guy, after the Bible study, says, yeah, I can't, I can't understand salvation, blah, blah, blah.
0: So he just starts to tell us his story, and man, there was some stuff there that would just make your skin crawl, you know. And so he's getting. And he's kinda, like
1: tall, and I'm yeah, standing there listening. <laughs> he,
0: he's, he's getting towards the end of, of his story, and you know, we had to leave because we have to leave by nine thirty or so. And the Bible studies from eight to nine, so he's he's telling us his story, <clears throat> and he says, you know, the stuff that goes on in my head and the things I've done, I think I might be a psychopathic murderer. And he was serious. And Mary goes,
1: he was, he was completely serious. And he's looking down at me. And I was, I just asked the Lord in my heart what to say. So he said he thinks he might be a psychopathic murderer. So I said, would you like to receive Jesus now?
0: And he goes, yes, (laughs) Yes. I would. (laughs) So the point of the story is you never know how it's going to happen. I mean, we prayed for two years in India. Lord, how can we lead somebody to the Lord in this country and, you know, maybe not get hurt ourselves? And they also not get hurt. And one day I was just sitting and rocking and praying. I love to rock and pray. I I like to move like that. Okay. So I'm never still in the (laughs) mornings. Our bed is a mess. I just can't lay still even when I'm asleep. I'll be holding her hand sometimes, and she'll just go. Uh. I'll say, "What happened?" She said, "You tickled my hand." It's like I didn't even know I was moving. You know? <laughs> anyway, I, I just prayed, and I was just rocking and praying one day, and God said to me, "Ask this question: Have you ever heard the good news of Jesus Christ?" And I thought, incredible! What an incredible thing to do! Because Indians are curious; they want to know. If you know something they don't know, they'd like to know what that is. And every step after that, you ask them that, Have you ever heard the good news of Jesus Christ? There's basically three answers. Yes, no, or something. Okay? So whatever the answer is, if they say yes, you say, Would you like to hear more? If they say no, would you like to hear it? Or if they say, Yeah, I've heard some things, you say, Would you like to hear more? But the cool thing about this is you never go beyond what they want you to say. And what I mean by that is you're not manipulating anybody. You're just finding out, do you want to know more? And by doing that, we get to share with them the, the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you know the best news of Jesus Christ? He died to pay for our sins. And I'm telling you, in India, that's a huge deal. We, we witnessed to people and told them about their sins, and bam, they got it. I am a sinner, and I don't have a God that will take care of that. They have 330 million gods, and there's neither a God of love nor a God of forgiveness, and Jesus Christ is both.
1: Um, you know, one thing I want to say, one thing Owen and I do in our work that the Lord trained us to do is to pursue the lost to go out and search for them, to watch for them, to look for them, to ask God to give them to us. And I believe we can all do that as Christians. Lord, show me who wants you and lead me to them and give me the words to give them the gospel. Um, I was 35 years old before the gospel was explained to me. And I was living in Chicago and I went to every other religion because I couldn't find God. And I was told the Lord, oh, Lord, help me. I don't want people to know me and not find out about Jesus, you know. So he trained us to pursue the lost, not to just wait, but to go out and seek them and pursue them. In Mark chapter 1, it says, um, verse 2, it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. I remember that standing out when I was newly saved and I didn't know what it meant. And the other day I realized, oh, that's us. We're the voice of one calling in the desert for the Lord. That's what we are. And I think we all are that. We're the voice calling in the desert for the Lord. Um, you know, this isn't what we thought we would share at all today. I think we're both surprised. At, but we believed God that he would give us what the people here needed today. And you guys are the ones here. So we hope that God gave you something that will bless you and encourage you. Um, in July, we're moving to Thailand. July 25, we'll leave. So um, we do request prayer. There's a whole lot to organize. I was telling somebody earlier, you know, when we went to India, we gave or sold almost everything. What we kept, we put in storage. We had almost nothing when we came back. God filled us up. We got a bunch of stuff. People gave us stuff. Stuff came from crazy places. So now we got a bunch of stuff. Well, we sold it once in America. We sold it once in India. We're going to just store it. At this time but that means we have to pack everything that we're not taking and put everything in storage we have to store our vehicles we have to organize you know you know for our mail to be taken care of a number of really important details have to come together now and july 25 is really you know like i counted this morning how many days it's not that many days away so i would certainly request prayer as we go through this transition you know it's a big deal to move to another country and um And then when we get there, you know, that God will lead us to whatever it is he wants us to do. It's just, we're just, we're going to go stay in a hotel and make it like as if it's a little apartment and buy supplies to cook and search. God, who do you have us here for? And we know this. We'll reach the lost and we'll teach the saved. We don't have a big agenda. You know, I think Owen's just going to get on the horse and I'm going to get on a horse and we're going to, it's figurative, like his dad put him (laughs) on the horse when he was a kid, right? So we know how to explore that nation and how to find the, you know, find how to get around. And all we know is to trust that he's sending us to preach the gospel. And to teach the saved. And so we covet your prayers. We value your prayers. There are many times overseas we feel your prayers. We feel prayers of other people. And, um... know i can remember times in india telling god we need more prayer please have someone pray for us lord and feeling that happen so we didn't get to share a lot about transition with you but it's okay i feel like god had something he wanted us to share and we shared it so the bible says to go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation and it says that you know they went out and did what he told them to do and then he worked with them and that's our goal, to go out and obey Jesus and he'll work with us. I remember Tammy Woods talking about that the kingdom of God is serious. That hell is real. And heaven is real. And it's forever. And that we have to always remember that. And that other people need the Lord. And there are all of us. Everybody in this room. There's people who need us. They need healing. They need the Lord. They need... They need prayer. They need a word. They need a verse. They need you. Owen and I get to go to another part of the world. You guys get to stay here. But we're all part of his kingdom. And we all have people we're called to. If I could say anything, never, never, never give up. God's got a way to use you you still can't imagine on ahead. Never give up.
0: So sometimes people ask us, how do you get ministry in a a foreign country? And I, and I kind of jokingly say, <clears> that's <throat> actually very simple. Just get off the airplane. <laughs> You'll find somebody or they'll find you. So our time here on July 26th, we will step off the airplane in Bangkok, Thailand. Please pray for us.
1: I have one last word I feel I'm supposed to share. Um, you guys have those signs actually in the bathroom about forgiving other people. And, um, We had some things that had happened to us over the years in ministry that we didn't expect to have happened, and we'd really been working on how to forgive that. And I had just been praying, Lord, I forgive them. Lord, I forgive them. Lord, I forgive them. And I wasn't getting any progress. And then of all the crazy things, we were in an AA meeting, and they read this little thing about if you have a resentment, then think of the person you resent and everything you want for yourself, pray for them. You want healing, you want prosperity, you want peace, you want joy, you want your family united. Pray it for whoever it is. And I laughed. I said, Lord, you're so funny. Because I was only praying I forgive them. But I I hadn't been taught to pray all these blessings on them. And they said... You know, when you do, you'll see them differently. And I thought, now it's biblical. It makes sense, right? So I started praying blessings on everybody that things had happened with. You know, Lord, restore their health, restore their finances. Just everything that I would want in my life, I started praying for them. And I have been getting so many releases, so many God releases, where a situation I saw like this, I now see like this, like Just from a whole God angle and wanted to share that with you because we all get hurt. We all get hurt in the kingdom of God. We get hurt by one another, you know, and um, forgiveness is part of like our walk with Christ, but there's tools. Like you guys are talking about tools for reading the Bible. There's tools. And I wanted to share my secret with you of the tool that God gave me. Everything I want for myself, pray for them. And with that, I found out then I can love them again with his love.